My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds I keep covering up the sun. On today's episode of Just a Mom, I have Carrie Soper here with me, and she is finishing her master's in counseling psychology. So she is somewhat of an expert in the mental health arena, and she's going to be able to really help address some of these things that parents see in their children and and how to deal with them and just give us some tools for our toolbox. So Carrie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a complete honor and a huge privilege to be able to be with you. So thank you for inviting me and letting me have this conversation with you. Well, I appreciate it because as you know, more than anybody, probably the the mental health needs are just yeah. continuing to increase. Completely. Can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I feel like there's just been a stigma in the mental health field, um, especially generationally speaking. So um, I actually feel like our youths do a very good job at kind of being aware, um, understanding some good awareness with it, it's more so when we start getting back into the generation. So if we start talking with the moms and the dads and the grandparents, because it was taboo and it is kind of new to think that things like mental illness is not taboo anymore Mm -hmm. and it's okay and it needs to be talked about. We need to take these concepts of these disorders, which are real, Mm -hmm. but because they don't seem tangible because they're in our minds mm-hmm. and our thoughts and our feelings that they're made up and they're not. They're mm. they are so 100% valid. Mhm. Definitely. What do you give, give me a little bit of background if you would on sure. you know, your life and yeah. briefly and how you decided you wanted to pursue uh, this master's degree. Well, okay, absolutely. So first and foremost, um a uh, little bit about me. I was born and raised in Colorado. Uh, I was so fortunate in that I got to fall in love and marry my high school sweetheart. Mm. And his name was Kurt Soper. And he uh, and I kind of just, you know, ebbed and flowed our way through life. Mm. We moved from Colorado to Arizona and then out to Overland Park, Kansas in summer of 2009. Um, and we had a baby girl. And when our daughter Ava was 15 months old, Kurt was diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer. Mm. And this particular type of bone cancer is not treatable with any type of um, cancer treatments. It Mm. was treatable strictly with surgery. So long story, Mm. (laughs) long health journey later, uh, he fought his cancer for about five and three quarter years. And he uh, passed away October 22nd, 2017. Um, so that kind of catapulted me into going, oh my goodness, I was just so traumatized in my anxiety and just the magnitude of going through levels of uncertainty and the roller coaster ride that 
that health journey took me on kind of locked me into going, I need to do something here because I felt so alone being so young Mm. and being widowed young. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it was just overwhelming the whole journey. I can't even imagine. Yeah. And I mean, I'm still finding my way. I think that's life though. Life is a journey and it's such a cliche uh, quote, but it's not a destination. You really, really grow and evolve. And there's so much beauty and vulnerability and allowing yourself to just sit still right where you're at and not shame yourself for your own personal healing journey. Yes, I graduate in May. That's awesome. I'm studying for state boards as we speak, and I just signed a lease to open my own private practice. That's very exciting. Why do you think there is such an increase in mental health issues in children, teens, 20-somethings? I mean, you know, we've had these Mm -hmm. declarations made by the... um, the uh, Surgeon General yeah. and the uh, Academy of Pediatrics saying we are in a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why is that? Why we feel like specifically we are seeing an increase right now in the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years is social media. Mm-hmm. Social media is a double-edged sword. Um, I have a 12-year-old daughter. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's a challenge for me, but I'm also trying to be realistic as a parent to understand that this is part of how these kiddos, like their culture, how they grew up, they grew up in an IT technology era, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so for them, literally socializing and communicating and building a community is in games like roadblocks or Instagram or Snapchat, like all these platforms, these handles where these kids are getting exposure that can meet other friends and play and have fun. But then there's so, so much saturation in comparison and, oh, we cannot even manage what they're being exposed to, Mm. the language, Mm -hmm. the music, the you name it. Mm. It's just, that's why. And then Mm. we've got the what we call indirect bullying going on Mm -hmm. so it's not in our face in the schools where a teacher or even your friends that support you can go hey I'm not okay with that it is literally I'm just off the top of my head here girls let's use girls Mm -hmm. um hanging out and they see Two of them are on a summer party and one's getting left out or whatever. And next thing you know, we've got tears and, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got people being left out. And just it's not so much about sharing friendships. It's the indirect bullying that Mm -hmm. really, really impacts these kiddos' self-esteem. And Oh, sorry. No, well, it just makes me think that so there's there's probably underlying issues already with, you know, a lot of our our children, but then this whole social media thing on top of it. Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. So So we can have predispositions or organic ones. So in families, you know, all families have, just because we have a predisposition, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but there's a likelihood if, say, we have mom or dad that maybe struggles Mm -hmm. with depression or anxiety, and it just creates what we call epigenetics, an environment 
mm-hmm. where the kiddos are predisposed and kind of coexisting in maybe this traumatic experience or this traumatic energy in the home. Maybe mom and dad are going through a divorce and there's a lot of fighting or maybe maybe there's financial crisis mm-hmm. and they're hungry and there's not – there's just – we don't know. Yes. So you take mm-hmm. just life in general without social media mm-hmm. and then you toss in social media where we have a facade, a mm-hmm. fake world mm-hmm. that makes it seem like – I mean – there's highlight reels in their face is what right. it is. It's yep. a highlight reel. Right. We don't see reality. Yeah. And then you throw a pandemic on top oh, completely. of that. Mm-hmm. That has made uh, mental health professionals, and I have so much respect for our healthcare mm-hmm. professionals as well, too, because it's burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, our Healthcare providers are literally all the way from the pharmacy everywhere. They are burned out because, and they're not even really, you don't go to a medical doctor per se. I mean, you can, but they are not trained in therapy. Mm-hmm. They're trained to treat and diagnose a physical, biological problem. Which is an important part <clears throat> oh of my the gosh, mental health yes. journey. 100%. Like a psychiatrist mm-hmm. has a medical degree. Right. A psychologist has a PhD. Right. So, yes, we not, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. we all have our lane. Right. And so that's why a treatment plan mm-hmm. is never a cookie cutter. Mm. There's, no, <clears throat> pardon me, there's no two thumbprints the same. Right. And so we need, we need awareness and we need people to come in and say, it's okay. Let's get these conversations going because if we don't open up the door to let people in and feel safe to have a talk and just get information out there, it's going to stay the same. Mm -hmm. Something has to change. So why do you think you said it earlier about Mm -hmm. the generationally? So like our kids are doing a better job of talking about mental health than we are. And for sure, and I'm older than you, Mm -hmm. and for sure, it's definitely a problem with people my age, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a big problem with people my parents' ages. You know, that was something you you don't air your dirty laundry. Talk about yes. So, how do we get to the point where, as parents? We feel safe talking to each other about this and saying, man, my kid is struggling. And, and yeah. maybe yours is too, but you yeah. haven't said anything. Correct. So um, to get to a space where – now let me verify your question here just for my own clarity. Do you mean parents to have conversations with parents or parents to have conversations with their kids overall? All of the above. Okay. I just wanted to make sure, sure I'm going Sorry, down I, the right. I wasn't super clear on that. No, yeah. you're fine. I just don't want to take it off mm-hmm. a direction you're not meaning to. So first, I think, is bringing awareness to where we have increased vulnerability. Okay. And understanding how as a parent, if we're not having the conversations – Maybe a good starting place is just kind of taking a mental inventory as a parent or um, a big brother or a sibling or someone, a mentor, anyone, anyone can do this. But taking mental inventory of what what might make our kiddos at an increased risk or vulnerability for mental illness 
and suicide. Okay. Um, and so some of those things is like we spoke about a psychiatric disorder, so mm-hmm. depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, um, a mood disorder like um, bipolar. If that mm-hmm. runs in the family, mm-hmm. um, it's just, you know, something to keep, sure. keep in mind. And then we have oppositional defiant disorder as well where we have um, – a kiddo that is just overt in their behaviors and really against authority and very mm-hmm. like, you know, those four that I named off, those four diagnoses tend to kind of cluster together for some reason where okay. we see increased suicide okay. particularly. And since, you know, we were talking about zero reasons why and how we met and everything, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the direction I was going when I was thinking about how can we as a parent screen for preventing suicide in our kids and the mental health. And the other thing was um, history of sexual abuse Mm. or exposure to a traumatic event, death of a parent, um, divorce, abuse, things traumatic that can really interrupt the cognitive development of a child. So... Does the pandemic fall into yes. that? Because I, I, I would traumatic. guess so. It has yes. been very traumatic for, for kids. I mean, Correct. it's been traumatic for us as adults. The pandemic, I mean, we're just beginning to see the aftermath mm. of it. Um, it definitely has exasperated anxiety levels mm-hmm. to a point where people are isolating and mm-hmm. we are not getting out. We have like agoraphobia. I mm. mean, there are these kiddos don't understand that like, you can see a smile and get close and like don't have to have mm. the mask on anymore and you're okay mm. now. So, well, according to the most recent stuff, but you know sure. what I mean? Like right. they were raised at whatever age mm. um, to see, to be afraid to go to school That's and to be afraid to be a friend, like sit near mm. your friend or have lunch near your friend because if you do, you might get sick, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's a, it's a hard dichotomy to balance because that COVID is very real. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not here to pretend that it didn't Absolutely. happen. I mean, so many people lost their life. Absolutely. So many people got sick. I mean, yep. it's a real thing. Yep. And then there's that sweet spot of, but our kids need social interaction. They need friendships. Yeah. That is pivotal for all human beings. Mm-hmm. Um let alone kiddos that are growing and their brains are just on fire mm-hmm. and they need they need to be around at some capacity other peers mm. so that isolation definitely has kicked in and dialed up the social anxiety spectrum okay. for sure i've treated in my clinicals a few teens that came in presenting with different types of phobias and social anxiety stemming from our pandemic. Okay, that was going to be my next question yeah. is and so as a parent, if what are the signs that parents should be looking for for yeah. that because it is Isolation. so increased. Yeah, so if we okay, now I always want to say we want to take in account for what's normal for our child. Okay. Cuz every <laughs> child is different. Normal. Yes. Yeah, normal in <laughs> air quotes, right? Mm-hmm. Um our each child comes from a different culture, mm-hmm. a different family a different everything so we do not want to over classify but we want to take an account what's normal for my kid okay all right so we have personalities that are more laid back more quiet mm. prefer their quiet time i could say that about ava like mm-hmm. ava is shy at first and she's 
a sweetheart and very like doesn't want to rock a boat. And then she gets comfortable and she's goofy and silly and outgoing. Mm -hmm. And then she has that sweet spot where she's like, I've had slumber parties, but now I want my Ava time. And Mm -hmm. so we have to gauge as parents, like if your kid doesn't require quiet time, for example, and isn't like ever doing that ever and is like cool being stimulated and out and about and like that's normal for that kid. And then all of a sudden they regress to a point where they're closing the door and they're sleeping a lot or their hygiene changes where they stop caring for themselves or their eating habits, things like that are where as a parent we start going, okay, something's off Mm -hmm. and paying attention to their social media. Um, I call them Karen moments. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it's a Karen time, you know, and just as a joke and even knows I'm going to check I get to check her phone. I own it. Mm-hmm. Right. I pay for it. Right. And before she got it, we had our own contract. Uh, we signed it. And it was about how can you protect yourself? Or if you happen to fall upon a mistake and you make a mistake, do you lie about it? Or do you just come and talk to mom? Is mom going to be disappointed if you make a mistake and lie? Or is mom going to be like proud of you for coming to me for admitting and showing me your integrity? Mm-hmm. So there you That's go. Excellent. It's open communication. It's so really starting that dialogue at a younger at a young age. One hundred percent. Yes. Our teenagers and tweens need to see that they're safe mm-hmm. to talk about very natural human feelings and changes that are going on in their bodies, Mm -hmm. Um, especially in puberty. Things are changing and hormones are going. And then, you know, I mean, it's normal. It's, it's biology. It's okay to feel sexual feelings or it's okay to be attracted. It's okay to not be. It's okay to feel confused. I mean, you're changing. Right. (laughs) You're going to be confused. And being confused does not mean that there's something wrong with you. Mm. So you you really hit on something good there, and we huh. Will and I um, talked about this um, for sure. Yeah, and I've spoken about it many times since then. Will was thirteen when his battle really started, yes. and I say, from a parent perspective, at first I thought this was just normal teenage behavior, yeah. and he's my youngest. I'd parented two teenagers before. Yeah, like you've been around the block. And at that point. not that you yeah. know any of us are perfect, but it's like you know there's there's moodiness, there's absolutely some withdrawal from parents, there's some isolation. Yes, it to me, I think that's one of the biggest challenge with the with the tweens and teens is yes. how do you distinguish what's pro- what, is what is normal clinical? teenage behavior versus what. Is a potential clinical issue. Okay, so I've got some good information here, and I'm going to share it with you. I busted open um, before we had our interview because I knew that you kind of wanted some tangible signs for parents. So I uh, read a couple articles, but then just went right straight to what we have in our field called the DSM-5. That's our diagnostic manual. Um, Every... um, practitioner at a master's level or above that's a therapist so it whatever your licensure is you've been trained and skilled on how to utilize the dsm and your supervisor and whoever you work alongside in clinicals and post-grad train you on diagnostics because it's part of what we do okay so i just want you to know that what i'm about to share is coming from 
actual information. It's nothing I'm making up here, but uh, warning signs. Ready? Um, we want to look for if they start talking about it or writing about it. Writing or talking about what? Suicide, Suicide? or okay. being depressed, anxious. Okay. So you could hear things. We've heard all teens say, I hate myself. Mm -hmm. Don't take it lightly. Right. We never want to take comments like, I'm going to kill myself. Or I won't be a problem much longer, as an example. Or I wish I didn't wake up. Mm. Or I hate myself. Or... I'm so ugly. Like mm. any self-sabotaging behavior or words. So behavior is the action, but the mm -hmm. words are like coming out. Okay. We want to pay attention to that. And it doesn't have to be a big deal, but we want to open up a conversation of, sweetie, why are you feeling like you're not beautiful? Mm -hmm. Because you are. You know? Mm -hmm. And... And start tapping into those okay. comments. So don't brush aside, even though they're going through puberty and the hormones are all over both male and female. Sure. Girls are de definitely generalized for being over the top. But no, it's both. Both Absolutely. male and female have hormonal shifts, up and downs. Definitely. So Okay. So there's that. Uh, we want to look for social withdrawal. Okay. Adolescence is a time where... We see developmentally the most important thing are their friendships, period. <laughs> yeah. Way more important than us. And to school. Them. Yeah. And, and that's okay <laughs> right. because they're finding these values that they want in their relationships. Moms and dads have hopefully instilled some good ones in them. Right. But now they're kind of tiptoeing into their own waters and kind of having to try these things out for themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's okay that friendships are very important to them. So if you see for that child that there's a huge withdrawal from whatever these friendship circles are, pay attention. Okay. Um, another one is the exasperated mood swings. Okay. Okay. So where this is different. And adults versus kids or teens or tweens is we see that it presents more agitated, more um, nervous, more bouncy, kind of like um, hyperactive, but it's separate from being hormonal. Interesting. That's that, that one seems really hard. It's hard. To figure out. So just kind of pay attention to your child. And knowing what you know, that mom gut check or that dad gut check or that I grandparent gut, mm -hmm. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Whoever that person is that loves this kiddo with all their heart, they have a gut check. They know their personality. They know their disposition. They know over the last, I don't know, six months, this is a normal behavior for when this kiddo's feeling extra sleepy and they're running behind and they weren't maybe organized with their time so their homework's late like that's kind of like to me in the normal air quotes mm -hmm, again spectrum right. of what we're seeing but if they're becoming agitated tied to certain things like behaviors of um giving their belongings away mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. no explanation but then you see a, a huge level of anxiety with it or a huge mood swing with that I mean, you're going to ask why your child's giving away something that you would not imagine of them giving away. I would expect, yes, that would be <laughs> that type of sure. stuff. And you might not know 
right away. But when you see things missing, you know, because they mm. can be kind of quiet. Yeah. Suicide is scary because the ones that actually do it a lot of times are very quiet. These okay. signs are happening, but they're not. They're maybe. not talking about. Yeah. So as parents, I like to say be overcautious. Mm-hmm. It's okay to destigmatize. Um, it's our, it's our person. I mean, we've raised these kids, whether we've adopted kiddos or birthed them, they are our life. These kids are our world, and we get to treat them like that, which means I get to freak out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It means I get to be up in your business, and I get to make you uncomfortable for a hot minute if I'm concerned about your mental health and your well-being. Right. And that's it. Get up in there, and don't be afraid to, to make sure they're okay. Yes, because if if the child had a physical illness that manifested Correct. it, you know, you'd if, go get them go strep throat, doctor. for example, yeah. and we're going to get you some antibiotics. Yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't just ignore it? And I think that that's such a shift in perspective. Like, yeah, you know, something that I think my generation was told a lot was, "Well, suck it up." That yes, was, you know, you're okay. Suck it get up. Get up. Yes. Keep going. Get this up. Is just, you know, life hands hard things to you, suck it up and move on. And that is not not good advice at all. Because it causes us, although our parents and their parents, they didn't do that from a bad place. Let's put that out there. I do not believe parents raise our kids from a bad place. It's culture. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing we need to t- keep in mind culture. Not all families and cultures have open dialogue about mental health. It's still very taboo in a lot of homes and a lot of families. Sure. And so as a parent, as a professional and a parent, I recommend 100% um, asking yourself why you as the parent are uncomfortable having the conversation. That's really Putting good. Putting your ego down. And I say that respectfully, but your ego is not bigger than the wellness of your family member. Whether it is a spouse or a kid and something's going on, step outside that comfort zone. Challenge yourself to be brave because the bravest thing you can do is vocalize what's going on inside your head. That Mm -hmm. voice in your head needs to be heard when it's hurting. Mm. We know that. We know uh, Dr. Brene Brown, we all know her. She talks about her studies on vulnerability and all of that. It needs to be seen. Grief needs to be seen. It wants a voice. And grief doesn't necessarily just have to be a death. It can be a breakup. Mm. It can be a divorce. It can be a loss of a pet. It can be a relocation from a, a school to a new school. It does not have to be... The death of a parent or right. something that big. I mean, yes, that's cla- that's death is classic grief and loss, sure. but we all experience grief and loss in a, all the time, and sure. we need to make that okay. Well, and especially again, going back to the pandemic. There you go. Like there was so much loss. Every aspect of the pandemic was lost: loss of freedom, loss of um, autonomy, loss of safety, mm-hmm. loss of friendship, loss of so many people's lives, loss of financial stability, 
you just keep going. Yeah. Every person was impacted by that. Yes. And every person needs to feel safe to go, whoa, maybe this is why I isolated too long. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to give myself permission to do something that brings me joy again. That's good. Because something has to change. Yes. We know that. Yes. So as a parent, just look for, please look for those separate mood shifts, those mood swings, if you will, that are separate from your child's normal puberty stuff, if you will. I really tried to put that out there as simply as possible Absolutely. So think out of ordinary for your child. Okay. That's it. It's going to be different for each kid. Right. And I I can't, like, paint the picture because every kid's different. But then also another huge thing that we see in our kids, for some reason, (laughs) the brain – this is some psychoeducation here – the brain – the hormones in the brain shift in puberty. And we see their circadian sleep cycle shift. So they literally do not get tired until later at night. And for some reason, somewhere along the way, starting in middle school, the kids go to school at 7 right. or whatever. so early. It's so early. And so we've got growing adolescents that literally cannot get sleepy enough to go to sleep till closer to 11 midnight, just naturally, biologically speaking. And they're not even getting the ample sleep that they need for their age to grow and develop. Wow. All their brain growth is happening when they sleep. Mm-hmm. So these middle schoolers, for example, they need 10 hours of sleep. Nine, Which sounds hours. like a lot. But it's not. It's so. not. The energy they're putting out alone just to learn and move around, like nine, 10 hours of sleep is required. Okay. That's necessary, but it's not a, it's not necessarily realistic and attainable when you've sure. got extracurricular activities, homework, you name it. So my point is, is trying to create routine and some sort of consistency and then um, building in maybe on the weekends, like somewhere for some catch up. They need their rest. They need balanced nutrition. Um, and then we also need to just really help them hone in on their personal hygiene and self-care that helps them feel good, their self-care. Okay. And tapping into that self-love early. So if if my 13-year-old sleeps till noon on Saturday, that's okay, in other words? I, I mean, I'm going to say they were likely up till 2 a.m. because it was Friday. So, yeah, <laughs> I know. We kind of have to, as parents, pick our battles, sure. right? Like. I used to be so, um, <laughs> when I was married and I was so like rigid, I was so OCD and rigid and I say OCD, I shouldn't be tossing that term out loosely like that, but I can say that about myself because I can have those tendencies mm-hmm. where I was very like, this is bedtime, this is dinner time, this is snack time. And I'm like, that's not fun for her. So I'm just saying having your sweet spot is necessary. Kiddos need they kids and minors are minors for a reason Mm. they're not adults yet even if they look like them (laughs) they need structure they need boundaries they need discipline not necessarily we hear the word discipline and think it's a bad word Mm. but it's not it's teaching them discipline 
self-control and self-regulating their emotions and all that. So, so they can learn how to do it themselves 100%. as adults. Yeah. That's excellent. I think some of the hardest things as a parent is watch, knowing your kid is going to have to make a mistake to learn the lesson. Well, don't we all learn most of the most big of the hard ones. lessons, big lessons by I know making I have. a mistake? Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's where um, as parents what we can do is really really um, ask our own bring awareness to our own insecurities and ourselves as to why these having these conversations are so difficult. Um because I would go to say, like we circled around on, a, you know, at the start of our conversation, that our kids are aware. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bring something up. Yeah, here. please do. Um, it kind of takes me over shifting gears to what can you do now? Now mm-hmm. that you kind of seen where yes. the increased vulnerabilities yes. are, what are your warning signs? Like another one I did not self harm. Mm-hmm. And parents, we don't know if they're self-harming necessarily because they could be doing it on their upper thighs. Mm-hmm. They, but if they're wearing a sweater and it's 80 degrees out or why? a hoodie yeah. and it is summer, I'm going to ask why mm-hmm. because it's just hot. It's not like we're indoors, air conditioned, and it's cold. I get it. Like, sure, it could be summertime in classroom and you're like, whoo, they've got the AC on. But I'm talking... Covering up your body to sure. a point where you're like that. Pay attention. Okay. Pay attention. If you even see, and there's things floating around on TikTok. Yes, my daughter has TikTok. I am not the biggest fan, but I also understand that I have to build trust for her. Mm-hmm. That I can trust her to make good choices. Mm-hmm. And that's just what's right for her and I. That may not be right for other families, but I take the notion of, Let's have the conversation. Let's see if you can handle it. If it's not a, if it's too mature, if it's too much, we'll back up. We'll we'll, we'll pull a little tighter on that rope. We'll pick up the orange cones, which are your boundaries, because you're gonna knock orange cones over. Sure. And I'm gonna come alongside you, and I'm gonna help you pick them up. We're gonna have a talk about it, and then we're just gonna tighten a little because mm-hmm. those orange cones are there to keep you safe. Right. But if you kick it over, that's okay. But mom's gonna have to come in, or dad. We're going to pick it up together. Mm. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm not here to shame you. Mm. You do not need to feel shame for feeling anxious, mm-hmm. for feeling depressed, for feeling like you aren't beautiful, for feeling like you're not good enough, for feeling like you're not measuring up. Those are feelings. They are not facts, but they're an indicator. They are a compass. So parents, please, please ask yourself why you're uncomfortable having conversations with your kids about very mature topics. Because if they can come to you, no matter what, I think we're going to strip down a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. For sure. If they don't feel afraid to talk to you about sexual intimacy, I'm not condoning it, but things that they are really physically going through or being bullied or things that are real for them. That we might go, oh, they're just te- no. That's real for mm-hmm. them. Yeah, what's we need to have that lives. talk? Yes, that's important. Then they know. Oh my gosh, I can go to my mom or my dad with the hard things. And the other thing we say as professionals is modeling that behavior. Mm. So um, I shared earlier that I was widowed, and I uh, was very, very scared about being a single mom and like. 
how the heck am I going to be enough as a single mom to a, a young, beautiful young lady girl, my baby, you know? Mm-hmm. And sure. I, I mean, I don't care if it was a boy or a girl. It's just feeling like enough as a single parent is hard because um, there's so many moving parts. But my point is modeling to Ava that I'm grieving her dad at times and that it's okay for me to cry or it's okay for me to have a hot minute to sit here and just um, feel. It teaches her that she can do the same. That is so true. And I think, I mean, I, I always think about the, all the things that I don't feel like I did very well. And I don't think I did that well at all. Oh my goodness. A, I don't. As a mom. <laughs> so I want to, if I may, um, say that I think all mom, you're not alone feeling yep. that, first of all. You're right. I don't want to take your feeling away from you, but um, you seem like a really great mom. The fact that <laughs> you're sitting here and tapping into the community to bring awareness because it matters to you shows you that you love your kids and you want to make a difference and they notice that stuff. Mm. And just because it's adults that we're human, we make mistakes, that does not mean we're not good parents. Mm. And I think that that term, good parent, good mom, good dad, that's one of those, oh my gosh, I hate that term because I remember when Will was struggling, Mm. I even had people, you know, when the story came out, I was like, well, how could something like this happen Mm. to you? You guys are such good parents. Okay, yeah. Why don't you address that for me, please? Because I know I'm not the only person who's heard that before. Yeah, I, if I may relate to you, um, and if this is stepping outside, please share. But I get the I can't imagine or the um, I do get kind of labeled, it feels like, if I am having a grief wave as though I haven't processed my grief, if you will. And so to generalize somebody based off of where they live, their community, or if on the outside looking in, their family is intact, whatever they want to define that as, we need to destigmatize. Because at the end of the day, I am like waving my hands, guys. At the end of the day, we are human. Mm-hmm. We are flesh and bones with beating hearts and feelings, and we hurt and we all bleed the same. Mm-hmm. And there is no excuse or reason for any person to come out and judge each other for mm-hmm. how did this happen or fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. As a practitioner that's going to be in the mental health field, I want people to feel safe to feel. Mm. We need to make room for that. For sure. Period. And then asking questions up to people that have gone through something, I think it's okay as the person receiving the question to gently say, Thank you for the concern because I know you're likely coming from an okay place, but this could happen to anyone. Mm. Yeah, it, exactly. Does that help? For sure. Yeah. And yeah. Because you're right. You had no idea when your husband was diagnosed with cancer at an incredibly young age. Yeah, I was 27 and oh he was my, 29. Yeah. yeah. So we were just getting world? started. Right. Yeah. yeah. And just like. When we found out that Will was really struggling, we had no idea. But it 
absolutely can happen to anybody. I just wanted to hear what you had well, to say about that. Yeah. One good of the parent things, thing. Well, thank you. Well, and speaking of a parent, <laughs> some of those more like, what can I do for my teen? Mm-hmm. Even if your teen's not having a mental health issue, yes. it's just good to have these open conversations. But for the parents that are worried about their teens or tweens, um, and tweens, guys, 10 and up, let's just start. Hormones can start early. So let's, that's not even necessarily early now. So let's mm-hmm. just call it 10 mm-hmm. and up mm-hmm. at that cognitive development stage, things are starting to shift. So we need to assure that our teens that the bravest thing they can do is put a voice to their pain. They need to vocalize. They need to find an adult, whether it's a school counselor, even a friend, a friend's parent. I don't care. Find someone that you feel safe with to vocalize your pain. And when you do that, you need to be reassured that A, you are not alone. That B, that these thoughts and feelings are temporary. Mm -hmm. They don't feel temporary because they feel gigantic. And it's probably for you to get to the point where you feel this low lasted a long time. Mm -hmm. But I promise you this season is going to pass. Please take it from someone that lived a very long season, six years almost, watching my husband die. That season was so long. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that to compare, but I'm telling you it felt very dark at times. Sure. It was temporary, and if I would have cut out too soon, I wouldn't be here today to be able to take my experience and share this with people and bless people with being able to find and seeing beautiful life again. Mm. So please, please understand that suicide is permanent. It is not a temporary solution, kids. And don't you think that that developmentally there is something there that they want that out teenagers? That, well, I know, like, I but not out about, necessarily to kill themselves, right? But out want, of whatever of is overwhelming them, and so yes. they don't necessarily really understand the finality, correct, of death, one hundred percent. So let's get into that. The, we, we all know this. It's very common out there, knowledge. The prefrontal cortex is where all our higher functioning thinking is done. So it's all the executive functions. That is not fully matured until around the age 24 to 26, dependent on the individual. Um, that's the most recent research. Uh, what does that mean? That means we can have decision making that just does not add up. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Up until those ages. Another thing that is really great for parents is to encourage the healthy lifestyle. So what what do you mean by a healthy lifestyle? I'm going to tap into that. Yay. So after we've kind of identified, oh, my gosh, I've got some red flags. Obviously, we want we're going to say seek some professional help. You could start with the school counselor, the pediatrician. Usually there's some great referrals out there. You can go on to psychology today. There's resources to find mental health practitioners that are a good fit for you and your family. So once you've done that, um, uh, what I like to do with my clients, my tweens and teens that I've had the pleasure of working with, um, we did a lot on 
psychoeducating the family on, hey, I know that anxiety seems not real, but it is, or depression doesn't seem like a tangible thing, but it is. So bringing awareness to that these this is a real thing for the child or for your family member, but then also there's something called the TLCs. These are therapeutic um, therapeutic lifestyle changes. This is an actual treatment modality okay. in therapy. And um, the number one empirically supported TLC is exercise mm. and getting outside that vitamin D. And exercise doesn't need to be hardcore. Just 20 minutes a day of movement um, opens up the neural pathways to f- open up um, those feel-good neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin. <sighs> like it just kind of gets these kiddo, it just opens that up for them. So if we can tap into their own identified TLCs and say, all right, what makes you feel good? It's going to look different for everyone, but encourage that and support it and start developing a routine. The brain will start to be mapped that way. So what about the kids who, you know, spend yeah. eight hours a day gaming or, and they don't like most want kids. to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like most kids, I hate to say kids these days, but, but teen, they, all our adolescents are in front of their screens so and I am not going to portray that my kid's not one of those because she is. Sure. So getting them to, you know, if they're not into athletics, how, how do we say, you know, you really need to get some exercise. You're going to yeah. feel better. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I've, I've, utilize the parental control on the settings on my phone um and it goes back to that conversation of like we need to get outside we need to take the dog for a walk we need to move we need to i don't care if we get in the car and go chase the sunset down at the park i don't care we need fresh air Mm -hmm. you will feel better i don't care if we need to just go window shop and walk around just something it doesn't have to be crazy. It just mm-hmm. needs to be some sort of movement. Um, being creative is a great way to mm-hmm. get those. Ava loves art. so um, I love that you're saying these things because I've experienced both of those as a parent mm-hmm. of a child who struggled. And I've talked to people yeah. who I've interviewed and they've talked about those exact same things. Well, so. and, and let's be realistic. Um, there's a lot going on right now in today's world and parents are inundated right now um i mean we're we're coming out of a pandemic but we're also just trying to do our best Mm -hmm. i believe for the most part for the most part parents are trying to do their best you know and so these devices do help us they can (laughs) sure um productive at times you know but there's a point where we cannot make excuses anymore and we just have to really really be the decision maker at times and I'm not saying to the point where they feel like authoritative like you're being demanding over them but that goes back to like there's a reason you are a minor like I need to look out for your wellness and this is not good to this extent like I get it I get it. Like, you're going to have it. I'm not saying don't have it, but we got to do something else. Got to put some parameters oh, around it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So our brains are so beautiful and amazing. It's my favorite. It's the fa- my most favorite organ. And that's geeking out right there. But <laughs> it's why I'm in psychology. But um, our brains, 
can also just be kind of lazy in the way that, like, the reinforcement goes where the behavior is. So if we are creating habits where we are staring at our screens for five hours, I'm just being, giving an example, sure. and we keep repeating that, it's going to want that. It's a big reward system. So if our reward is the dopamine hit from getting the like on TikTok, I don't know, they're going to keep doing it. Sure. So this is true to everything. So if we create an unhealthy habit at all, or what started maybe as a healthy, fun thing, but it's too much, our brains are mapped to default to keep wanting it. So that's where we have to be intentional about creating a new habit and being, you know, setting time limit, giving, you know, saying, hey, I'll give you two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening. Or I don't know. I'm just. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably realistic for most teenagers, actually, because sure. they're all on Snapchat. That's mm -hmm. how they text. They don't mm -hmm. use text messages right. like us old people yeah. do. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like checking my grammar on it. I'm like, wait, what does this mean? You know, like it's pretty funny, but that helps. You know, is just being able to come together as a family and make a change as a family, sure. and um, and really making things maybe a little bit more simple. So that's so that's one of the things we the, you were going through this list and I yeah. think I took us in a different oh, direction but it yeah. was you know that that exercise is a good way therapeutic lifestyle changes yeah, yes. The, TLC, sleep, 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 exercise, balance, um, creativity, mm -hmm. balance, nutrition. Nutrition. I think when we try to cut too much from them like it can also create a problem. So once again, that sweet spot, right? But I'm not going to lie. I have sweets in the house, but then I also have the complete opposite where I try to buy local or organic or we have our smoothies and our protein shakes and what. But I try to keep a little bit of both in my home. So that way Ava um, doesn't feel the need to feel like there's taboo about having an unhealthy relationship with her choices, if you will. But sure. once again, no I'm not necessarily doing this right. Like, every family's different, you know? <laughs> We're all just trying so to I figure just think, it out. Yeah, <laughs> I think if we can try to create consistency and routine and even, like, a family meal together, it's hard as a single mom. Trust me, I'm in I've been in school a lot of nights and homework, and I've missed out on a lot of Ava's practices and stuff, and... I've had babysitters that have had to help me get through this journey, you know, and very much so had a lot of mom guilt moments where I'm like, I don't eat dinner with Ava a lot because I'm not home or like we're just overlapping each other and kind sure. of sheets with sitters. But I'm just saying we've got to give ourselves grace. We've got to be gentle and we've just got to start with maybe one change at a time. Start with attainable, attainable, realistic changes and one at a time will start building off each other that's really so. good advice because it's hard if you go in with all of those things it, and say oh my gosh okay right we need to change what we're eating we need to get more exercise i mean that that can it's be a very overwhelming model. it can be so if we back the bedtime up and say all right come on guys 10 30 is late when you got to wake up and be ready to learn like hardcore learn let's back it up by 30 minutes and if it 30s too early, let's start with 15 tonight, 15 tonight, till you get to your goal. That's Things like good. that. Little chunks. 
little be be realistic and practical with yourself. You're not perfect and we're all human and we're all just trying to find our way through this and do our best. And at the end of the day, I think if we just open up open up the communicate the lines of communication with our kids and create a space for them to feel safe and model that to them through how we come to them, we can you know age appropriately share our vulnerabilities with them and when they see that they see they're safe to do it to you that's really good Carrie yeah well Carrie in closing would you tell us a little bit about what your next steps are you're finishing your schooling here shortly so what's next for you well I am so excited. So um, I'm getting ready to take my state boards for the LPC. And then um, I just signed my lease to open up my practice. It's going to be called the Porch Swing KC, as in Kansas City. Um, And you can find me right now just on Instagram under the Porch Swing KC. Okay. It's brand new. Um, I will have a website and everything to come. I'm very passionate about writing and um, having conversations with people. So the Porch Swing Casey is going to be a place where the healing begins, where it happens. But it's a place where we celebrate life mm. and where um, I'm going to intertwine my passions, which is helping people. So being a therapist at my private practice. And then um, I love to write. So on my website, there will be all my writings of my healing journey which took place on a porch swing, which is why it's called the porch swing. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah, it's so cool. And then um, hopefully as I continue to meet people in the community, they will welcome me to come maybe share my story or, you know, have these conversations and um, get to communicate and bring communities together, you know. So it's an exciting time. It's a new time for me. This is very different for me. But it's been my dream I all along. So well, I'm congratulations. Grateful. Well, thank you Very so much. Exciting. I am so grateful that you welcomed me here and to have this talk. Um, it's an honor. So thank you for your time. Well, thank you. I really appreciate all the practical tips and knowledge that you imparted on parents. And I, I, I just know that it's going to help. I hope so. Anytime. You guys, people. let's. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Life's the occasion. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much thank again, you. Carrie, for being on this episode of Just a Mom. Well, thank you so much. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.